Welcome to the Heart of the Matter. I'm Brittany Bathia, a communications consultant at the National Association for Chronic Disease Directors and your host of the Heart of the Matter, where we highlight best practices and innovation in cardiovascular disease prevention and health promotion to invigorate the field and help set direction for the future. Heart disease, stroke, and other cardiovascular diseases account for one in every three deaths in the United States. Cardiovascular disease is the nation's leading cause of death among both men and women, and the leading cause of health disparities. Among those bearing the highest burden of cardiovascular disease and related health consequences are black adults. Black adults are twice as likely as white adults to die from preventable heart disease and have twice the rate of death from hypertension-related disorders. Today, we're excited to have both Dr. Seth Martin and Meg Lusick for a dynamic discussion around cardiovascular disease and health promotion. This is especially timely as we recognize and promote February being American Heart Month. Dr. Seth Martin is a preventative cardiologist at John Hopkins. He's also a core faculty member at the Chickaroni Center for the Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease and John Hopkins Center for Health Equity. Dr. Martin focuses on multiple complementary areas, including digital, mobile health technology, cardiovascular risk assessment, health equity, big data, and precision medicine. Welcome, Dr. Martin, and thank you for being here. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here with you today during Heart Month. Meg Lusick is a Senior Program Administrator of Employee Health and Wellbeing. Meg brings more than 18 years of experience in the fields of health promotion, workplace wellness, and public health. Meg has played an instrumental role in leading the Healthy at Hopkins Employee Health and Wellbeing Strategies, impacting the 42,000 employees across John Hopkins Medicine. Meg, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Brittany. I'm excited to be here today. The John Hopkins Hospital, located in Baltimore, Maryland, is an academic medical center, part of John Hopkins Medicine. John Hopkins Hospital is recognized as a Million Hearts Hospital for their work in improving employee wellness, achieving blood pressure control, and making advancements in cardiac rehabilitation. Dr. Martin, can you speak to how critical hospitals and health systems are and how they can help improve cardiovascular health? Absolutely. Thank you for that question, Brittany. It is such an important question because, as you mentioned, there's major disparities and we really have a great need to improve our cardiovascular disease prevention effort at a large scale. And at Hopkins, as a hospital and as a health system, play a role in that. We're serving our local community as well as patients that are coming from adjacent regions and states for our care to improve their cardiovascular disease prevention. This is a, a matter of life and death. It's a matter of preventing heart attacks and strokes. So we play a really key role in partnering with our patients to control their cardiovascular disease risk factors. And that includes blood pressure. You mentioned our efforts in hypertension control. It also includes cholesterol and smoking cessation, obesity and diabetes control, we work with our patients to improve their lifestyle, diet, and exercise, and we have the really built programs that can be tailored to patients depending on whether they're someone who has risk factors and is working to prevent a heart attack or stroke from happening in the first place, which we call primary prevention, or somebody who's already had a, an event, a cardiovascular event like a heart attack or or stroke, and now we're working in what we call the secondary prevention to prevent another one from happening in the future. 
And so as a hospital and health system, we really bring together multidisciplinary teams. As a cardiologist, I'm really just one member of a team that includes nurses, pharmacists, nutrition specialists, and our amazing coordinators and administrative staff. The list goes on to really deliver holistic prevention care to work with our patients and basically bring all that we know. We're fortunate in the world of cardiovascular disease prevention to have great clinical trials and evidence to guide us. We have great guidelines that really summarize that evidence about what we can do to help people uh, live longer and healthier lives. And then as a hospital and health system, we're, we're really bringing that evidence to the front lines to work with our patients to actually implement that evidence and control cardiovascular risk and keep people out of the hospital and safe and at home. So as hospital and health systems, we really work locally and regionally, but we also collaborate across different health systems. I think the CDC program to recognize particular programs that are happening, such as our cardiac rehab program to improve care is is a way that we can highlight positive examples and learn from each other across the country to really scale up effective cardiovascular disease prevention. And Dr. Martin, what do you think are the most unique opportunities we have to advance cardiac rehabilitation? I think a big issue that we face is that we really know what needs to be done. We really have evidence for how we can prevent cardiovascular disease events and prevent deaths related to cardiovascular disease. The evidence and tools are there, and it's really an implementation problem that we have now. We really just need to roll out what we know in day-to-day practice and clinical practice in people's day-to-day lives. And so that's been a really stubborn challenge, despite all the advancements in preventive therapies that we have. There's really been a lag in actually getting them used in the real world. And so that's the fundamental problem we have. And as a physician, as a cardiologist, I'm just one piece of the puzzle. And it's really about multidisciplinary teams working together with our patients and their families to really make it happen. And so we're learning more and more about how we can organize teams in the most effective way to provide patient-centered care and to implement what we know. So I think as we look out over the next year and five years and 10 years, that's going to be a really critical gap that we need to close is, is actually translating the evidence into practice. Let's shift gears a bit and talk specifically about strategies that John Hopkins Hospital has implemented. For example, its use of the CDC Worksite Health Scorecard. For those that don't know, this is a tool designed to help employers assess whether they have implemented evidence-based health promotion interventions or strategies in their worksites to prevent heart disease, stroke, and related conditions such as hypertension, diabetes, and obesity. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing up cardiac rehabilitation. That was part of the recognition that our hospital received from CDC really formed the initial basis of our application for the CDC Million Hearts program. And within our hospital and health system have been working on what we call a hybrid cardiac rehab program. This brings the traditional approaches to cardiac rehab, which happens in a center at the hospital where patients come in for supervised exercise and education and really a holistic, multidisciplinary approach to secondary prevention after somebody's had a cardiovascular event. However, we know there's big challenges in terms of getting into a center, whether somebody lives far away, 
has the time of the center's availability conflicts with a work schedule or cost challenges of coming into the center. For that reason, we've built this hybrid program, which brings a digital component that allows patients to engage with what we know works in their home and in the community. And so we deliver this through a a smartphone app called the Cori app paired with wearable technology and blood pressure monitoring at home. And so this allows us to provide a more tailored patient-centered experience that can increase access to cardiac rehab. So we've been building this Cori hybrid cardiac rehab program within our center. And meanwhile, we've been connecting with other centers across the country through the cardiac rehab collaborative that the CDC has been leading so that we can share what we're doing, other centers can share what they're doing, and we can each learn from each other as we build the future of cardiac rehabilitation and the future of what is a nice way to organize secondary prevention for cardiovascular disease. Meg, how has the CDC Worksite Health Scorecard guided health promotion strategies for John Hopkins Hospital? Thanks, Brittany, and thank you for providing an overview of the scorecard, which truly is a tool to assess policies and resources and programs that are offered in the employer space. And Johns Hopkins Hospital has been an active participant in improving its score and has made tremendous enhancements to the workplace. So we actually complete the scorecard on an annual basis as part of our strategic objectives. And I've had the honor to work closely with Johns Hopkins Hospitals for the past eight years. And we've used the scorecard as a roadmap to leverage different strategies, tools, and resources. So if you're an employee or even a patient or a visitor walking into the hospital, eight years ago would have looked very different than what you see in today's environment. If you walk past any vending machine, you'll notice a lot of healthy options that are marked with a green leaf. There's not a can of Coke or a chocolate bar staring at you in the face. And these are strategies to allow employees to make a healthy choice where the healthiest choice is the easiest choice. If you want your blood pressure checked at any point throughout the workday, there are rooms available where employees can sit down, take a deep breath, and get their blood pressure checked. In the summertime, there's fresh fruits and vegetables available to employees through a farmer's market, and this creates easy access to healthy options. It's no surprise that Johns Hopkins Hospital continues to score above the CDC large employer benchmark and the industry-specific benchmark, and even above our Johns Hopkins Medicine average across all the affiliates that I work closely with. And Meg, what advice do you have for other professionals who are looking to use the CDC Worksite Scorecard for their organization? So the first piece of advice I have for others that want to leverage this tool is to incorporate the scorecard into your business goals. This is honestly the key to success, and it's been a way in which we have been able to create and sustain a priority throughout the organization and specifically for Johns Hopkins Hospital. It has been the catalyst for change and wrapping that into the strategic objective is the pivotal point that has created success for Johns Hopkins Medicine. If you have multiple divisions or locations completing the scorecard, I recommend you create some sort of consistency. So for example, for us, we created a clarification document and looked at each question 
and then created some consistency with the question because there are nuances when you look at the question itself. And this way, each person at the different affiliates who are completing the scorecard can address that question in a precise manner. Third, take time to address the organizational supports section. So this is actually the first section within the scorecard. And this section addresses infrastructure and the building blocks to sustainability. So for example, does your organization have a wellness committee? Is there leadership support? Are there champions? If you're looking at the SWORT card in its entirety and you don't necessarily have the bandwidth or the resources, I highly recommend you start with this section. And fourth, leverage the data. Use it as a tool for strategic discussions with your stakeholders, with your leadership, with your partners throughout the organization. If you take the time to complete it, make sure you leverage that data to be able to drive change within the organization and within your culture. Meg, can you share with us some of the successful well-being programs that John Hopkins Hospital has implemented to address cardiovascular health? Great question. Programs are very important in addressing cardiovascular health, and we are very intentional in offering a variety of programs to address lifestyle behavior, such as nutrition, stress, physical activity. And all of these programs are offered through Healthy at Hopkins, which is the branded employee health and well-being program for not only Johns Hopkins Hospital, but Johns Hopkins Medicine. So twice a year, for example, Johns Hopkins Hospital participates in our Race the Globe Steps Challenge. It's a huge thing here. And this past year, we had close to 8,000 employees participate. And Johns Hopkins employees alone walked over 1 million steps collectively. Another example is blood pressure. So Johns Hopkins Hospital has made a concerted effort to help their employees know their blood pressure numbers. And in 2019, we launched a blood pressure screening initiative where over 2,600 employees had their blood pressure screened and checked. And in partnership with this initiative, we actually worked with our insurance carrier. For those who are at risk of high blood pressure, they received a home blood pressure monitoring kit at no cost. The hospital also provides specific programs to address sleep, movement, addressing stress and healthier food choices. And that's through our 12-week Keep Your Pressure Down program where employees can engage, they can connect with other colleagues. We have a registered dietitian who leads those sessions and they walk away with the tools needed to be able to adjust their behaviors throughout the workday at home so that they can better manage their blood pressure. And Meg, with so many programs, how does John Hopkins Hospital keep employees informed and engaged? So Johns Hopkins Hospital, we've leveraged so many creative ways to keep employees informed. Knowing that the majority of our clinical staff is not sitting at a desk all day, we've had to get pretty creative. So Healthy at Hopkins messaging is displayed on many of the clinical stations as screensavers. So as a nurse walking by the clinical station, they'll be able to see different topics or a reminder of an upcoming initiative, or even we've included some QR codes that a nurse or a clinician can quickly be able to grab their phone and click on the link to find out more information. There's also a lot of LCD screens across the campus. So if you uh, go into an elevator and you're going up to the seventh floor, the chances that you see messages rotated through those LCD screens is a quick way to keep our employees informed. 
In the past few years, we started to deliver a wellness cart to all the different units. And it literally is a cart that our on-site coordinators, they come to the different units, they are able to talk to the employees, they hand out promotional flyers, a healthy snack. And it's a much more personal way in which we can deliver information and share the appropriate resources needed for the employees that are at that unit at any given time throughout the workday. We also have a Healthy at Hopkins portal where employees can log in and we have a calendar of events where at any given time throughout the day, an employee can be able to understand what's happening, either if that's virtually or if that's on site and be able to click on a link to participate or walk downstairs to a specific conference room to ensure that they don't miss out on any of the programs available. Meg and Dr. Martin, what tips do you have for employers or other organizations supporting the well-being of their workforce or broader communities? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brittany. I guess to try to build on what Meg said, I think it is probably quite important to kind of think of this from a collaborative team aspect. It can feel overwhelming, perhaps, to start new initiatives around prevention, but there's so many great models out there. I mean, we're describing our experiences at Hopkins as one, but there's additional great models out there. The CDC has highlighted these models. So I think it's important to, if you're early in the journey, looking at what else is out there rather than starting from scratch and and reinventing the wheel, so to speak. I think it's important to kind of look what's out there and it gives you a racing start. And it also gives you potential partners in the journey to help be more successful. I think of the proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So I think it is important to approach this in a team-oriented way because many employers, hospitals, health systems are very large institutions. And so I think part of what Meg is speaking to around sort of being patient is also that just a need to bring in a number of the key players on the team to kind of move an initiative forward in the way that it deserves to move forward, particularly for something as important as cardiovascular disease prevention. When cardiovascular disease is a leading cause of death and impacting nearly a million people a year as a cause of death, and with over 100 million people in our country with some form of cardiovascular disease, this is really clearly a big priority that's going to take a lot of collaborative creativity to be successful. So I think that would be my main tip is to really approach this in a team-oriented fashion. Yeah, and to your point, Brittany, we also have created a leadership series where and success stories, because I think at the end of the day, we all want to relate to others who either have similar challenges, if that's losing weight, if that's an attempt to quit tobacco usage or getting more movement in, understanding how others may have accomplished that also doesn't make us feel isolated or that we're on our own. So we have been very mindful and strategic in creating success stories and or leadership stories that showcase success and showcase struggle. In relationship to some tips, my first tip is be patient. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day and neither was a lot of the strategies that were put into place. At Johns Hopkins Hospital, I've been here for almost nine years, and I have had to learn to be patient, uh, to be flexible, and be able to take a step back when there are times that 
are a little bit challenging. Two is continue to ask for feedback from your employees. We are very methodical, very mindful of asking for feedback of what employees want, what their interests are. And if that's in the format of a survey or a focus group, we have tailored our strategies over the years to ensure we are addressing the needs of our employees. Third would be engage your middle managers. Middle managers have the biggest influence on teams. They spend the most amount of time with their employees on a day-to-day basis. Here at Johns Hopkins Hospital, we have created trainings and provided tips and best practices to our middle managers so that they feel equipped to be able to be role models and inject well-being practices throughout their workday with their employees. And fourth is removing barriers and bringing well-being to the people. I described a lot of different programs that employees can engage in throughout the workday, but the fact is that our employees are busy and many times in a clinical setting, they can't just stop what they're doing or stop with a patient to be able to participate in a webinar at noon. And so we have created what we call a workplace wellness menu where Anyone can sign up for a program and a Healthy at Hopkins coordinator will come to the team meeting or come to the team to be able to lead a best practice program. And that can be a deep breathing exercise, a stretching exercise where we bring well-being to the team itself. And it creates not only a new norm among that team, but also allowing employees to engage when it's most beneficial and meaningful to their workday schedule. And do you, either of you have personal philosophies that drive your approach and passion for this work? For me, I think in your introduction, you spoke around disparities that we're addressing uh, as a nation. And in all the work that we do in our MTech Center, which is our AHA-funded Health Technology and Innovation Center, and that's the center that's been behind building our cardiac rehab program. In all the work that we do, we look at it through a lens of health equity and collaborate closely with our Center for Health Equity at Johns Hopkins, led by Lisa Cooper, and also have other great colleagues there like Nancy Malello and Yvonne Commodore Mensa. And so we really look at our work through the lens of health equity. I think that's absolutely essential to make sure that we're designing programs that serve everyone. And that doesn't mean that we're delivering a one-size-fits-all approach for everyone. It means that we're delivering a program that has flexibility in it to be tailored to meet the needs of different individuals and so that we can give everyone an equal opportunity for having positive cardiovascular health and overall health outcomes. So that's a really key philosophy that I and my colleagues bring to our work. My personal philosophy is really just taking it one day at a time and making small strides. We're all on our own well-being journey and there's highs and lows to that. I really believe in the power of your support system. If that's at work, if that's at home or a combination of, I think we all benefit when we are rowing in the right direction and being able to address pieces at a time or small steps along the way in order to get to our optimal level of well-being. And that definition of well-being is really different for everyone and how we define it and how that evolves. 
over the course of your lifespan. And I would just welcome those to lean on others and be able to be open to new changes and really be able to embrace new changes that may come from trying something new. Thank you both for your time today to share your experiences and help invigorate the field as we continue the work to prevent cardiovascular disease. Thank you so much, Brittany. It was really a pleasure to participate in this really uh, critical conversation. Thank you so much, Brittany. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. To our listeners, thank you for joining. And if you're interested in learning more about cardiovascular health programs at NACDB, the Million Hearts Recognition Program, or the CDC Worksite Health Scorecard, visit the links in the podcast notes. Thank you to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for funding this effort. This podcast episode is brought to you by the National Association for Chronic Disease Directors, or NACDD, The National Association of Chronic Disease Directors and its more than 7,000 members seek to strengthen state-based leadership and expertise for chronic disease prevention and control. Established in 1988 in partnership with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, NACDD is the only membership association of its kind to serve and represent every chronic disease division in the states and U.S. territories. For more information, visit chronicdisease.org.